Friends, welcome back to Typically Hazardous. This is Hank Fortunier. That is the French pronunciation of my name. I am sitting right now in a desk. I put a desk for myself in my house, and for the first time since we had children, I'm sitting at an actual desk. So I'm not recording this in my Jeep, as I have previously. I'm sitting in a, in a desk at a, on a real chair like an adult, so I feel amazing about this. Uh, this episode, very important and very special. Sorry for the lag there a little bit. We've been crazy busy, so we've missed a week or two, but we are catching up. This episode was recorded live at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles on April 4th, and we want to do more and more of these recordings, so we need some of your voice. If you're here and you live or know of a venue in Los Angeles... Let us know what that is. Go on my Instagram at Hank, tag that venue, or comment on the on the on one of the video pictures about that venue because we want to do 12 venues in a year. We're through four of them. We've got one more on the books, and the summer is wide open. Also, if you live in another city and you want us to come there, you can tag us about that too, and we can dream together. We can do that, which will be very exciting. A uh, couple of things I want to let you know about. We have an email list that I want to invite you to be a part of. If you do get the emails then you can just give me like a head nod wherever you are, on a treadmill, in a car, on a run, like, yeah, I get the, I'm in the know. If you do not get those emails and you do not get those wonderful, uh, infrequent updates of things that are awesome that you can come to or know about, then join us. You can go to hankfortner.com and you can put in your email address or you can just text 66866, text that number, and text the word Hank. And you will be added to our text-to-join email list. It's amazing. You can actually join an email list via text message. It's amazing. So just text 66866, text the word Hank, and you will be updated. We send them about once a month. We've got some more plans for them in the future, but they will not spam you. And if you want to unsubscribe, that's easy to do too. Uh, Okay. I hope you're ready, and I hope you enjoy this talk. This was one of my favorite venues with an unbelievable crew. Oh, man, this was awesome. A really, really, really fun talk about how all of us are just a little bit messy. Enjoy. Tonight, we're going to talk about some messy things. Those messy things are then going to bring up some questions about you and me, which is then going to bring up other questions about God, which then is going to lead us to some really good news. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to give you three things to know, three things to stop doing, three things to see, and three things to pay attention to. You guys good with that? That's where we're going. The first thing I need you to do is turn to a neighbor. It can be a person you came with if you feel comfortable or a person you did not come with. Turn to a neighbor and answer this question. It'll just should only take one minute for you to both answer this question. What is the best thing in your life right now? Ready, set, go. Okay, you ready? Now, I want you to stay with that person. And I want you to tell that person, and I want you to share with each other, what is a messy thing in your life right now? What is a messy thing in your life right now? Go. Okay, you ready? The world that we live in has gone a little nuts. We live in a very strange world that believes very strange things, and we're probably all a part of that very same thing. See, what we do is we believe certain things about the world around us. Have you ever noticed that no matter how much a person has, they always seem to want more? Have you ever been that person who no matter how much you have, there's always someone who has more and you're always wondering when you can get that thing? And even though there's some people who have less, it doesn't seem to make you feel better about what you do have. We have this very weird vortex that begins, I think, when we're young, where we seem to want to kind of impress the people around us. Anybody ever have that feeling? 
where you sort of want to make other people think that you're in good shape. You sort of want to look like you have things together. And I find myself oftentimes wondering if I'm giving off the perception that I'm really hoping for. And I think that started when I was really young. Because I think the spectrum begins. When you're like uh, 10 years old, I think it's all about the toys, isn't it? Whoever has the coolest toys. And I used to remember, I would go over to somebody's house and be like, what kind of toys do you have? That was the question I asked. <laughs> and I, it was about what toys you had. When you turned 16, it was about if you had a car or not. And what kind of car did you have? So it wasn't enough that you had a car, but I drove a minivan, so I was immediately uncool. <laughs> but then when I went to college where freshmen weren't allowed to have cars, and all of a sudden I had all these friends. See, there's something to when you turn a certain age, it's the cars, and then it's the clothes, and then it's maybe the girls that you get to hang out with. And then you get a little older, and when you're around 20, then it's the parties you go to, and then when you're 30, it's the house you have, or it's the career you have, and then when it's 40, it goes back to the cars and the clothes and the girls. I don't know how that works. <laughs> and then when you're in your 50s, then it's about what the nicer car and the nicer thing and the nicer, what the decisions you made before, and it all seems to be this crazy vortex where we're all trying to impress each other with who we are or what we have. But here's this crazy secret, are you ready? Here's this crazy thing that we all know but we all pretend like we don't know. Everyone is a mess. <laughs> Everyone in your life is a mess. Now you might be here and you might be thinking, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not a mess. I bet you had something easily pop into your mind when we asked what's a messy thing in your life. My guess is every person that you admire, you envy, you're jealous of, or you want to impress, is a total and complete mess in some arena or area of their life. Every person's life that I've gotten access to, that I've been invited to step into with, every person that I've met from a distance, all has an area or a part of them or some space that's a mess in some place. It's easy you can, to see this kind of thing happen. It's easy to see this observed possibly because some people are really public with their mess, like Kanye West, <laughs> right? Kanye West is on Twitter with his mess about being in debt for $53 million and asking Mark Zuckerberg for a billion because in his mind, he doesn't have enough. And in other people's mind today, he has everything. Or you could look at people in our lives that we admire that tragically don't have enough. When you look at a person like Whitney Houston or Robin Williams and you say it looks like they had everything but there was some mess that none of us even saw. There was a mess that none of us even knew about. See, all of us are a mess. If you're in this, in this room, you might go, I'm not totally a mess, but uh, anyone here single? Okay then you don't even have like a life partner yet to tell you about all the messes that you actually have that you don't even know about. Because if you ever notice, you can have messes in your house that you don't see. Like you're just like, oh, I didn't even notice that mess. And then you like get married or you get engaged and then there's suddenly like a person who can constantly remind you of all those messes you have. It's really great. Anybody here married? You're squeaky clean, right? No messes, huh? Squeaky clean. See, all of us in some way, shape, and form have messes in some place in some area of our lives. But this brings up a question about us. This brings up a question about who we are. It brings us a question about what do we do with the messes in our lives? What do we do about the fact that everyone is a mess and yet we're all running around trying to pretend that we're not a mess? See, for me, my messes is, is uh, I'm really good at hiding them. So I thought I would begin, and just in the, for the sake of this dialogue, just give you like a really clear picture of my mess because I'm a total mess. Anybody relate to that? I'm a total mess, and I'll go categorically, just in case some of you are like having a hard time imagining that I'm a mess in any way. Uh, my first categorically would be, I'm a mess because I have the two most beautiful daughters in the world. They are some of the best things, like Devin said, the best thing in my life. 
But my four-year-old, she'll be four at the end of this month, she and I have this relationship that we can love each other, and she's my best friend, and I asked her today, because I'm leaving for New York in the morning, and I said, who's, who's, who's my best friend? And she goes, me, duh. Which is great. The problem is that when she is off balance some way, she will stomp her feet, scream at me, and be like, you are not the truth. Yeah, I don't even really know what that means. It's so, it's so existential. I can't even keep up with those things. Like, I'm not the truth. And then she'll scream at me, and we will have, we will have shouting matches together to the point where, embarrassingly, I get so mad, I like, I like throw stuff. And I, I do, I pick up like soft things, always soft things, because I don't want to clean up anything. So I grab like a shirt or something, and I throw it, and she'll be like, you stop having a fit. <laughs> Which is like so weird to have like that objective rebuke from the child who's making you have a fit. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, and, but then all, so much she can actually see, I do this thing when I get mad where I bite, the, my, bite my teeth, my lips together. And whenever she sees that happen, she immediately will look at me and just start crying because she knows I'm getting mad. See, I hate being a mess like that. I hate being a mess in such a way that I, I'm embarrassed that my daughter can see when I'm so upset and so mad. I also, I, I'm, 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 I'm lovingly married. I have an awesome wife. It's, where's Sue Ann? Can everybody spot my wife, Sue Ann? She's amazing. She looks beautiful tonight. Uh, we have an awesome marriage, and I love being married to my very best friend in the world. But we have one of those, we have like uh, recurring fights. Anybody have those? Where it's like awesome to be married to each other until you like hit that one little bump in the road where you're just like, you're, you're like not friends all of a sudden. Have you ever had that happen? And I feel like for us, we run into that thing. And you know, I have this weird thing where the more mad she is at me, the more tired I get. So it's very strange. Like if we get into a fight, as we get into that fight, I can actually feel my eyelids get really, really heavy. And then I'll just be like, I just have to lay down. And I can actually fall asleep like in a second. You know when you're upset and the other person falls asleep? Anybody ever had that happen to them or been, been the me in this situation? It's, it's, it's terrible. Like, so we, our, our marriage is in an awesome place, but we have these messes that we keep stepping into in places. It's the same when it comes to Adopt Together. Anybody ever heard of Adopt Together? <laughs> Wonderful. We started the first ever crowdfunding platform for adoption, and about uh, two weeks ago, we crossed over the $8 million mark to help 2,000 families. It's so cool. And I love what I get to do, but I hate fundraising. And because I hate fundraising, and because I hate it, and I've made myself not good at it, we are short-budgeted all the time. The, all the other organizations that have like, tons of money and endowments and stuff, they all, say, they all call me Mr. Grassroots which basically means that I do all the stuff with my friends and I don't have any money. Which is like, that's like a, that's like a cool way of saying, I'm Mr. Grassroots, that's what they call me. But I hate raising money. Raising, fundraising is like, um, is like dating. But it's like mo walking into a room and trying to date married people. That's what fundraising is like. <laughs> and their spouse is right there. And you, most, people, <laughs> most people feel more protective of their money than they do their spouse, so it actually feels exactly like that. You're like walking around, you're like, hey! And the whole time you're like, oh, okay. And they know that you're the fundraising guy. So it's sort of like, this is the guy who dates, wants to date my wife. And it's like, nah, it's fine. It's a very strange, awkward thing. And I, I, I'm just not good at it yet. I just haven't like, gotten there yet. So every single day I wake up with like, this, this burden of being like an overwhelming rookie at a thing that is like a prerequisite to get to do the job, to get to do the part. 
I, I feel this way a little bit with, even with this conversation and this meeting with you. This is awesome, isn't it, that we're all here together? Yeah. Super fun. But, but the, the, the hard part for me is that this started because, um, and it looks rad to have a podcast, and it looks rad to be ranked and new and noteworthy and that kind of stuff, but you know I was recording all of these podcasts in my Jeep? I had like a headset, I was recording them all in my Jeep by myself, and I used to be on a podcast that had like millions of people downloading, and this is like a hundred times more work for like a percentage of the impact. And it's expensive, and it's all those things, and I was doing them in my Jeep, and then finally someone was like, why don't you get a theater once a month in LA so that you can do them in front of normal people, and you are so much more fun than my steering wheel in a hot Jeep with no air conditioning on. I promise you, you're amazing. It, but it, it, in all the things in my life that look good, you know what's funny is if you follow me on Instagram, you'd never know any of that stuff. If you follow the stories that I tell or the way that I would rather relate to people in conversations, you'd never be aware of any of that stuff. You'd never be aware of the fact that I, 10, almost 11 years ago, I moved away from my immediate family and I think about them every single day. You probably wouldn't be aware of the things that you carry all the time or be aware of the fact that there are messes in somewhat, what sometimes seems like a life where you just kind of just keep moving forward. Because I think there's three different ways in which we hide the messes in our life. There's three different ways that we relate to the messes in our life. It's sort of like my house. Anybody ever been to my house? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I love my house. It's awesome. But you, it doesn't take long to walk in the house and realize that someone in this house is a hoarder, okay? <laughs> you do. You walk into my house and you're like, wow, this is 10 pounds worth of things in a five-pound house. You know, like it just doesn't all fit. And it doesn't realize. And so what I've realized is that I am that hoarder. I love a clean house, and in my mind, I live in a house that's like every corner is clean, and there's just like one thing on a shelf. Do you know those houses where you walk in? I hate those people. I walk in, I go, that's the house I want. I just don't know what one thing would I put on that shelf. <laughs> you know what I do is I find a shelf, and I go, I can fit a thousand books in this small little, and then I fit stuff, and I put things inside the books because there's nowhere else to put them, and then I put the book in, and then I lose things. I, I, I realize that it's easier if I just admit I'm a hoarder. Because I, 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 when someone offers me something that I think might be useful someday in the future, I keep it. And then when I find things, it's like, well, I don't know. I might need six sleeping bags. I have six sleeping bags in my house. And, and then I was at somebody's house. We bought, we bought a stroller on, at an auction for my daughter's school. It was awesome. Our, both of our kids are out of strollers. I don't, I'm not sure why we did that. But it was like a deal, so we did, right? So now I have a box stroller taking up the space where I would park my car. And when I went to pick up that stroller, this nice lady named Julie was like, hey, I work for this brand and we have these like pop-up tailgating cooler stands. Do you, do you want a couple? You can't ask a hoarder that question. It's like, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. How many? She had like seven of them. I was like, how many are you getting rid of? Like that, I couldn't even. So I did, I've never been at a, to a tailgate in my entire life. I don't even do that. I don't know where I would tailgate. I don't even know if you could buy tickets for that or whatever. So I, I have them now in my house. And I, in my mind, I'm like, there's going to be a moment where I'm going to need to stand in a large parking lot and keep, keep sodas cold. I don't know. Like, I don't know why I do that, right? But I, 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 the one way that we relate to our messes is we become hoarders. We find nice little quiet places in our house to hide them, and then when someone comes in, it just looks like that inside of our house, everything looks clean, except if you opened a closet, it would be really dangerous for you. See, for most of us, how we relate to our messes oftentimes is that we find little tiny corners to put them in, and we just find places to hide them, and we find places to keep them, and we just try to shove them into little places, and then when people come over, I want you to know when you come over, there's stuff shoved everywhere. 
when you leave, stuff actually starts falling out of drawers and out of things. And when we find out someone's coming over, we just shove and hide them again, and then, and then it all looks good. And we can do that so many times with ourselves and with our messes, because we think, I'm the only one. We know it isn't true, but we feel like we're the only ones with a mess. We don't want people to see our mess, because it makes us feel naked or unlovable, or it makes us feel afraid. So we find ways to hoard our messes. You know, the other thing that we can do is if you don't, if you don't hoard, and some of you are really good about not hoarding your messes, you just, they're, they're just out there. You know, the other person is a loner. You ever had a person who you go over to their house and it's full of stuff and they go, oh, I'm keeping stuff for a friend. Oh, that's my friend. I'm gonna, oh, I'm going to give that away. I'm going to take that to goodwill. I'm going to give it to a person. I'm going to sell that online. Nothing they have, they actually have to keep all of it. You've been to someone's house and they're just things that just seem to collect and just seem things that seem to be everywhere. You've ever met a person that all the messes in their life were always because of other people? You ever met people or been that person where you just go, oh yeah, I know I have this mess in my life, but that's because of this guy. Well, that's because, of, that's because of this person. They just barge right into my life and they drop that off in my living room and I, it's not even really mine and I'm not responsible for it and I don't need it. And we can be loners. Or we think, oh, this is just on loan. I'm just keeping this for a little while. I'm gonna give it away when I'm done. I'm gonna give it away when I'm finished or I'm finally gonna sell it when I find the time. See, we can be hoarders or we can be loners or we can even be hiders. Have you ever had that friend who never brought you into their house? You ever had that friend who you just go, or, or like, I, I remember dating people. I did that, actually. It's totally crazy. I did that before I was married. And I would date people and just go, at what point am I going to get to see, like, your domicile? Like, what point am I going to get to see, like, where you live? Do you have roommates, friends, like a, a shelter of some sort that you <laughs> occupy? Because there's some people that just would never let you into their apartment. There's some people that just never let you into their house. And the people are like that with their messes. They'll let you in so close. They'll let you in just a little bit. And then they just go, yeah, this is as far as you come. Because I got stuff in here I don't really want anybody to see. See, there's so many things and ways and creative ways in which we find to hide the things in our life that we are ashamed of or that we wish other people just didn't know. And our society, our language, our societal language betrays us. Oh, I can't go out like this. Have you ever said that? We actually have a makeup that we sell to men and women that's called concealer. We actually say things like, I just won't want someone to see me like this. Because if you go around, I remember that being the, the first thing that I noticed when I would move to different neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Some neighborhoods, you could show up in like a sweatshirt and sandals with socks on. And it would be like, this is the coffee shop, and they are just doing them. The you do you, man. And then you'd go to other places, and it literally looks like, is this a magazine shoot? Did I miss the lights? Did I, I didn't sign a waiver to sit in here because everyone looks perfect just for a cup of coffee at 7 in the morning. See, there are certain moments and certain places and certain ways in which we can find ways to hide those things. But you know what's crazy about the word mess? What's crazy about the word mess is meth, mess is defined as this. Mess is defined as, ready for it? It's defined as a situation or state of affairs that is confused or full of difficulties. But it was originally defined in the old French, the word mess, M-E-S, three letters, was a portion of food that was given to a group of people. That's why you have things called a mess hall. A mess used to be a group of people who would eat together. It's why the military calls it a mess. It's why you'd get together and have a mess. You would come together together and you would have a mess because when a group of people ate together before they had silverware and before they had things, they would make a mess. See, what I find amazing is that a mess used to be something that we would all do together. And now a mess is something that we hide from each other. 
See, a mess used to be something that meant that you were in community because you could be a mess together and make a mess together and see messes in each other. But then you hit this certain place in time and history where we just decide, now we're going to keep all of that to ourselves. And then we're going to do our best to put on this face. And then when we go to dinner, the last thing we're going to do is bring up any of our messes. But see, something went terribly wrong. Is because at some point we started to believe that if we had messes, there was something wrong with us. That if we had challenges or if we were facing interpersonal things, that meant something was not right with us or something was, had gone terribly awry. But I remember sitting with my friend Dom and we were having a conversation about work and I was complaining about challenges that I was facing. And we're, we're hanging out, sitting in chairs, and he stands up and he goes, why are you complaining about facing problems? It's why you have a job. If there were no problems, we wouldn't need you for what you're doing. Why are you complaining about facing challenges? It's what you do every single day because it's why you're in that role. And I sat there feeling horrible about myself. Like, I, think, I don't think that was his goal. And then I walked away and I thought, that's exactly right. Every single thing that you and I face in terms of challenges and problems and messes, it's the job we have. Hey, moms, anybody in here a mom? That job ever get messy or hard? That job ever get difficult or overwhelming? That job ever get difficult in some place? See, you are in a space, not where you as a mother or you as a father are facing just a perfect child. Because there is no perfect child. I thought I had one and then she started screaming at me and it was just a bizarre experience. And I was afraid of her for a long time. But when you are a mom, you are embracing all the perfection and all the messes and all the craziness and of course you're facing challenges. When you're a dad, anybody here married? If you're married and you're facing challenges, you know the most dangerous thought that can enter your mind? It's not supposed to be this hard. Because check it out, it's supposed to be hard. It is hard. And it's hard for everyone who's ever been married or, that, or they were married to a dead person. Because you're facing challenges, it's a part of the process. Anybody here have any friends? <laughs> Anybody here have any friends who have ever brought challenges or pain into your life? I'll take your silence for a yes. <laughs> Anybody maybe with that friend right now, don't tap him on the shoulder, you can just say it later like I was thinking about you. But check this out. I don't wanna be friends with perfect people. I don't want to be friends that never bring challenges into my life or bring problems into my life or bring messes into my life. That's why I'm a friend. They're not there for my entertainment. We're there to support each other because together we make a mess. See, you and I have to ask this question at some point. Why are we all pretending like there are not messes in our lives? Or why are we hiding them when they do happen? The question about us is, isn't everybody holding a mess somewhere in their life? But then that raises a question about God. What does God think of our mess? What does God think of your mess tonight, right here in this room? You know, I think what's crazy is, I, I started asking this question that was super fun, is if you and God had a conversation, what would he say to you? And I got like some of the most amazing and inspiring responses, especially the ones I got at Burning Man, which were crazy. Because when I asked like, what would God say to you? They would say, well, I would say to me. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I just thought, I asked the wrong question. What would you say to me, I guess, is what I should have asked. 
But then I started asking a different question of lots of different people. If you and God had a conversation, what area of, his life, of your life would he want to talk to you about? And it was so interesting that people would move right into that area of their life that they least talk to their people in their life about or that they least want to admit. And the question sometimes is, what does God think of the mess of our life? I think there's this crazy thing that has been talked about or has been communicated through religion for hundreds of years. The idea that you and I, we need to be perfect or we need to be clean and that we should be mess-free and that's a proof that God is in our life. When in reality, I think religion has done a huge disservice by pushing out people who had messes in their life or by denying that messes existed in your life because when I read the scriptures, that is a messy group of people. When you read the scriptures, you know what you find in the Bible? You find murderers, you find sociopaths, you find sex addicts, you find crazy, like violent psychopaths, and those are the good people. Those are the God's people. And throughout the scriptures, you find all these crazy people, and you know, I've always wondered, like when, you, when, you, when it comes to the religion's founders in this current day, so when you have like Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, and when you have Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard, and when you have Joseph Smith, I've always wondered, why don't people pick on the reputations of these three guys? Because these three guys' reputation is crazy. All three of them have a wild reputation. And then I realized, you know why Scientologists and Muslims and Mormons are not concerned about the reputations of their founders? Because they read the Bible. And the Bible is full of crazy people. The Bible is full of people who have insane messes in their lives. There was this guy named Abraham who gave away his wife to be married to someone else to protect himself twice. And then the guy who's an evil pagan tyrant comes back to Abraham and goes, why would you ever do that? I almost married your wife, man. The guy who looks at him and says, how can you be like this? This, these, are the, these are the people that are in the scriptures. But you know what's crazy is throughout that, it's really hard to find somebody that you should emulate. It's really hard to find people that you would go, okay, that's how I would live in 2016. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the one kind of life I want to have. Until throughout the scriptures, this guy Jesus shows up. And then you know how Jesus caught people's attention and why his story is told 2,000 years later? Because he was who everybody else said that they were. He actually was. He was a person who was kind. He was a person who was honest, a person who was truthful. And then he would say these wild and crazy things like you should pray for your enemies instead of cursing them. You should love on people who hate you. He was saying all these wild things, and you know what he said over and over that stuck with so many people? Your mess is sacred. He said your mess is sacred. See, these scriptures have these words in there called the Beatitudes, where it says blessed are those, and then goes through a list of all these people. And you know what's wild about what he's describing? It's that word blessed means to be holy, means to be set apart, to be sacred. And it says blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Sacred are the messes of those who are hurting. He's saying sacred are those who are hungry. The things that people were ashamed of, most would hide from groups of people because of, and it says in the scriptures, your life is sacred. Your mess in the middle of the mess that you're in right now is sacred. What God would communicate to you if you and him had a conversation is he would tell you how sacred that mess that you're facing right now is. That one that can feel overwhelming or you feel like I just don't wanna tell anybody in my life about this. He wants to communicate to you that all of it is sacred. Your mess in the midst of your mess, right now in this room, 
you have a mess in your life. And this, this thought can enter our minds that God is sequential. Once I get this cleaned up, once I get this fixed, once I get this sorted, then I'll maybe re-enter a new space. Or maybe me and God will have a conversation. But I want you to know that God wants to do something in your life right now, not in, it, not in despite your mess, but right in the middle of it. Whatever your mess is, whatever you would describe as, this is a messy part of my life, that's right where God is hovering going, I'd love to be a part of this conversation. He's leaning over going, this is so sacred, this thing. Oh, this mess that you're having with your marriage, this thing is so sacred. There's something here that's powerful, and it's not to be made light of, and it's not to be hidden or hoarded or loaned away. It's to be brought out into the open because there's something to it. See, here in your life, you might go, yeah, but I have this thing nobody knows about. And God goes, but I do. And it's sacred because there's something to what we war of. It's something to what's happening in us. You right now, whatever it is that you're facing, that you go, ah, this is just a messy thing. I wish it wasn't a part of my life. God goes, oh, that's the part of your life I wanted us to have a conversation. But see, and you might even be here and you might be on a spiritual journey and you go, yeah, I don't know about all this God talk. And I certainly don't know about this Jesus talk. And I don't know about the Scientology thing. I don't know. You, know. you might be here and you're just like, I don't know where it is. But I want to invite you, if you want to begin to sing God somewhere in your life, start to look at the areas of your life that are on the far ends of the spectrum because oftentimes it's easiest to see God when things are most beautiful and when things are most broken. So you can find God very often in awe. You can find God very often in the overwhelming, be- beautiful, unimaginable beauty you get to face. And it's easy to spot and go, surely there is some intelligent creator who's communicating to us through this beautiful thing, through this child of mine, through this life. And then somewhere in the midst of it, oftentimes you find God because God leans into you and he presses into you in the midst of that brokenness. And you go, I was broken, but I was not alone. See, God wants to invite you to invite him into the sacredness that is the mess that's in your life. The question is, will you let him step in? Will you let God move in all of those things? Now, in order for God to actually do that, in order for us to move forward in that space, there's gonna be a couple of things. A couple of things you need to know, a couple of things you need to stop doing, a couple of things you need to see. There's just a few things we need to go through. And I like things in threes. If you know me, you know that that's true. Anybody like things in threes? I just, I just feel like that's the holy number of some sort. So we're gonna go through the threes. The three things I'm gonna invite you to stop doing first. Could we start with the stops? So, first off, are you with me? Are we there on the message? Okay. So, like, can we just acknowledge with a mm mm-hmm if you're like, yeah, I got some messes in my life. Yeah, okay, cool. And and I might have some messes right now that I can think of right now in this very second. You got got that? Just give me a mm mm-hmm. Okay, good. Okay, there are a few of us. First thing I want you to stop doing is I want you to stop jumping out of the ring with your mess. You ever see an MMA fight? Or the WWE is happening right now. The Rock is killing it. He's breaking records. You know, anybody like The Rock? I, I, I like, love this guy. He's like such a cartoon of a human. He's amazing. I can't wait to hug his big old body. He's amazing. He really is. And, and the, the, you, you know what it is me? If I, and I watch these MMA fights, and my dad, who's like the kindest, nicest walrus of a man, he has like a deep voice, and he has like a a mustache, and he's just the kindest person you'd ever meet in his life. And he tucks his shirt in and has every day of his life. He wears khakis to mow the grass. He's just an awesome, very very calm and formal man. When he goes up to his room by himself, you know what he watches 24-7? MMA fights. It's like, 
I would not see you as like the guy who like, what? and he watches you go, oh, I love this, watch this, watch this, and he's replaying it in slow motion. If I was in a ring with those people, I would be crawling underneath the ropes and running for my life. I am not the physical confrontation type. Today, a guy was getting into my Jeep while I was walking up to it. This is a true story, it happened like five hours ago. I was, you know when you're walking to your, to your car and you're just like, I got the buttons and I was hitting the keyless button while I was thinking about something, probably this conversation with you right now, and I was just walking, just hitting the buttons, and I come around the corner and there's a guy like crawling in over my daughter's car seat and into my Jeep. I just looked and I thought, this could go very bad for me. But I don't want him to, I don't know what was in there. I mean, everything, everything expensive was in my hands already, so I, but, but I, just, I just burst into, hey! I mean, that's like... <laughs> And I've been mugged twice, so once I won and the other one I didn't, so I didn't really want to test my 50-50 shot. So I just said, hey, can I help you? And I just started kind of yelling, and he like, gets out of his car, and then he walks like, kind of around the front of the car towards me, and then he opens the other door and starts looking in the car. It's like, oh, wow, this is even scarier of a person than I had originally thought. And so I just started like, hey! And then this huge dude that's like twice the size of the rock, but half as short, if you can imagine this man, comes out of a building and just starts rolling up his sleeves. And I was just like, this is my guy right here. He's an angel. God does exist and he loves me. And he sent me a huge mechanic to save me. All of that to tell you. And then the guy just sort of walked away once he saw this guy. This guy, you know what I mean? Who was ready to go. I'm not a confrontational physical person. So what I want you to stop doing is crawling away from your mess. If you have it, stop running from it. There's a saying in AA that says, wherever you are, there you are. You cannot run from something that is within you or something that is a part of you or a mess that you carry around with you. So I want to invite you to stop running. The other thing I want to invite you to do, the second thing I want to invite you to do is stop pretending. To take a deep breath. The other thing they say in AA a lot of times is you're only as sick as your secrets. That the healthiest you can be is where you can look people in the eye and you can be honest about where you are. The third thing I want to invite you to do is to tell the truth, to stop hiding the things that are messes in your life and just take a deep breath and realize that at least you have a couple hundred people here who will acknowledge, hey, we're, we got some messes in the life and I guarantee you there are people in your life who are waiting for you to share with them what's happening because when you share a mess in your life, people do not recoil away from you, they draw towards you and they go, me too, me too, I've been there too. Those are the three things I want you to stop doing I've got a couple of things I want you to, to know. The first thing I want you to know is I want you to know that it's yours. That mess you have is yours. The only messes that you can clean up or the only messes you can move forward is the ones that you go, this one's mine. No one gave it to me, no one dropped it into my house, I'm not stuck with anything, I'm not waiting for them to come and pick it up or move it later, this is mine. I was not betrayed by that person or lost by that person or all those things just for me to have their stuff in my house, I'm just gonna call it mine. So take that insane idea that all these things that people did to you are things that are now yours because what they did to you has passed. How they betrayed you is gone. The only thing you have is the mess that you carry around with you. They're never gonna come back and take it from you. So call it yours. The other reason I say that it has to be yours is because you're gonna freak out all the people in your life if you walk around and you go, you start going, well, Hank told me to just tell you I have a mess. I got this crazy mess in my life. Will you help me clean it up? I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and then they're just going to go, that's not really going to be something that people are pumped to talk to you about unless you, they can sense a sense of ownership from you. It has to be an insane, radical amount of ownership to say, this mess is mine. To take it on left and right and not wait for other people to take it from theirs. I want you to know 
that it's yours, whatever it is that you're carrying. I'm in the midst of like this crazy relational schism right now. Just like weird, weird conflict. They're like reality show type stuff. And the conversation I had right before I came up here was my friend who said, you know, all I hear in your voice is you telling me that it's someone else's. And all I thought in my head was, man, the only thing that I can actually change in my life is the thing that I decide is mine. So I want to invite you to know that it's yours. I also want to invite you to know a couple other things. Is what you're going through right now, this mess that you have, is temporary. It's not forever. This mess that you're sitting into right now will seem like this is the only thing. If you're like me, I go to immediate, that's going to be like that forever. Ever feel that way? Being engaged to me was exhausting, Sue Ann, was it not? Yes, it was exhausting. She's shaking her head. Yes, she's not even pretending. You know why? Because when you're married and something weird happens, you just go, yep, that's my wife. When you're engaged, you're like, is that going to be my wife forever? Is she always going to do that stuff? That's so weird. Do, you, do you, Anybody feel me on that? Yeah, like a couple people. I get that way about pretty much everything. If I get like a weird backache, I'm just like, oh, that hell. Oh, oh, no, I'm going to have back injury for the rest of my life. Like I panic about those things. But in the midst of our crises, we can go, I'm going to have this mess for my whole life. So we start making future plans to hide that from the future people we will meet or the ones we want to impress. But just know that the mess you're in right now is temporary no matter where it is. Even if something permanent has happened to you, like the loss of a loved one, or, or an insane wound, or a person left you, know that this mess that you're sitting in is the way that you feel and you experience and what you carry about it, and the feeling you have right now will be temporary. The third thing I want you to know that's so important for you to know is the third thing that's so essential is that this is not the end. It's not the end of that. It's not the end of it. It's not the end of you. It's not the end of all of it. There's always another chapter. There's always another conversation. There's always another story. It's not the end of those things. Now, here's three things I want you to do. Are you ready for the to-dos? You with me? Okay. Three things I want you to do is, number one, is I want you to admit your mess to someone. I want you to find a person in your life. It doesn't have to be a person in this room, and I'm not going to be like, hey, turn to your neighbor and tell them the worst thing that you have happening in your life, although that would be so exciting for me to, because rec we're recording, so it would have been so fun. There's microphones around your chairs. Kidding. <laughs> Find a person in your life and admit your mess. Go, hey, this is what I'm going through. And you can blame it on me. And you said, Hank, maybe do this, but this mess is mine, and I'm not telling it to you to put it, pawn it off on you. I'm telling it to you so that you and I, we get to have a conversation so that you know, hey, I've been pretending or I've been faking or I've been hiding this thing, but this is real and this is mine, and here's what I'm doing about it. To admit your mess. The second thing is be prepared to make crazy sacrificial choices. Because whenever you're moving through a mess in your life, it's always going to require sacrifice. Maybe a sacrifice of what you hoped for. Maybe it's a sacrifice of what you wanted. Maybe it's a sacrifice of what you were going to do or what you thought you had in the future because pretending always gives us more things that we don't have. It's like living on credit. At some point, that, that bill is due. So we're going to have to take make sacrifices to start to look at things and go, okay, I'm going to make sacrificial choices to be there. The third thing I want you to do is I want you to listen. I want you to listen to the people in your life who have been telling you about this mess for a really long time. Any, anybody have those people who like volunteer information about your life you didn't ask for? <laughs> yeah, anyone married? Yeah, totally. But then if you're not married or even if you have friends in your life, sometimes there's people who get just jump on the phone with you and they just volunteer information about you. More often than not, there are people who have tried to bring up this mess to you at some point in your life. 
They've tried to speak things into you, and oftentimes we get like, no, nah, I'm not going to listen to that, or I've got to take that, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt, or we say all these things, but listen to your tribe. Listen to the people in your life, and listen to what they're saying and how they're saying it, and listen to only the people who love you. If there's people who don't love you, you have a, you have a carte blanche opportunity to just shut them out but they're probably saying something that the people who do love you would go, well, there's a shred of truth in this. There's maybe a little piece of truth in this. So just listen to your tribe. Those are the things I want you to do. Those are the things I want you to know. Those are the things that I want you to stop. But then there's a couple of things I want you to watch. You ready for this? And this is where we're going to conclude tonight. The couple of things I want you to watch is I want, to, I want you to watch you get braver. I want you to watch you become more courageous. Because you know what happens when you clean up a mess in your life and you start to kind of move through it and you start to watch it shape up? Is you go, give me the next one. It's sort of like a person who starts working out. Have you ever met that person who starts working out and then they're constantly flexing and showing you their muscles? That's me and my wife experiences that all the time. I will go months without being in the gym and I will literally grow an extra nipple and just go crazy and turn my body. The minute I start working out again, I'm like walking around the house like, check this out, seriously. And I'm so glad I have a four-year-old because I can, I can, all I have to do is flex and she walks over and puts her hand on my muscle. She knows what I'm asking for. Because the minute that you conquer one thing, you'll start to conquer others. And I want you to watch you get braver. I want you to watch how you stand taller. I want you to watch how you have more courage. More courage to walk in through your own messes and more courage, oh yeah, the second thing to realize that you will be a person that people lean on to help with their mess. The more you face your own challenges and the more you admit your own challenges and the more you press through them, the more people will see you as a beacon of hope that they can do it too. And the more you're honest about what you're going through and the more honest about what you're facing, the more honest people will be with you and the more you will be a beacon of hope and you'll be able to take that pain you went through or that mess you went through and you'll be able to transform it into something to help a person crawl out of theirs. See, you, you'll watch yourself get braver and then you'll watch yourself be a, a voice of hope to people. What I want you to pay attention to as you start to face your mess, as you start to do certain things, is watch how when you embrace that mess and when you realize that God is doing something in that mess and that mess you're in right now is really sacred, watch how you will stop missing the beautiful things of life. You're gonna stop missing the beautiful things of life. Do you know how much energy it takes to hide things from ourselves or other people? Do you know how much we miss, how much we miss what's happening in our life right in front of us? Because we're consumed with, well, this shouldn't be this way and this is a mess and it's stressful and it's overwhelming and it's maddening. And when you just embrace it and you go, oh yeah, this mess is why I'm here, you'll start to see the beauty in the midst of that chaos and that mess. You'll start to see and observe all those beautiful things that are hidden under that cloak of the other things we conceal. See, you and I, you're going to watch yourself be brave. You're going to watch yourself be strong. You're going to watch yourself be hopeful to each other. And then you know what's crazy is the last thing. When you look back, you're going to be so grateful for this mess. I know that's crazy and probably the last thing you want to hear is that in the midst of this mess, you're like, oh, I'm going to be thankful for this. Am I really going to be thankful that this person died, that I faced this addiction, that I went through this stuff? The short answer is yes. You're not grateful right now. And maybe you don't want it right now, and maybe that's not a part of it, and you don't want that friend who puts their arm around you when you get fired, and you'd be like, you're going to be thankful for this someday. <laughs> but you're going to look back on all these things and go, I'm just so grateful that I went through that. 
You're going to look back on all these things and see that in the midst of it, right smack dab in the midst of your crazy, of your unexpected, of the wild things in your life, there was this sacred thing that happened to you. You got braver. You got healthier. You got stronger. Something happened to you. Something changed. You watched how your tribe came around you. You watched how people gathered with you. You watched how your life started to move and transform when you faced your mess. You're going to look back on this mess and you're going to see how sacred it was and how important it was. Oh, and that's just it. Right now in the mess that you walked into this room with, it's a sacred thing. And right here in the midst of it, we've all admitted through our mm mm-hmms that we all have it too. So we can go out of these doors and you can go back to your home and to your marriage and to your friends and to your life and to your school and to your jobs and you can just take a deep breath and go, I'm a mess. And you can look at people around you and you can say it inside of your own mind, they're a mess too. (laughs) And you can know in this room you are not alone. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say your mess is sacred. And then I want you to turn to your other neighbor and I want you to say, no, seriously, your mess is sacred. And then I want you to turn to your other neighbor and say, no, seriously, your mess is beautiful. And then I want you to turn to your other neighbor and say, I have messes too. And then I want you to say out loud all together, you are not alone. alone. We're all a mess. mess. And it's all so sacred. And it's all so beautiful. And we're going to be grateful for this. Not yet or whatever, but we're going to be grateful for this. I want you to know that your life is so beautifully sacred, even in all the midst of your madness. And I hope that tonight you have a moment to invite God to just be a part of that craziness. So here's what I'd love to do. I want to say a sacred, messy prayer over your life. And then we can all get together and we can just have more messy conversations and keep chilling and hanging out and go out there and I'm sure there will be a rock band or a man shouting from a stage or something will be happening. <laughs> so let me say a prayer for your life. And again, and before I do that, if, you, if you're not used to praying or if prayer is new for you or if you've prayed for the very first time, and oftentimes when people come here, they come up to me afterwards and say, that was the first time I've ever prayed or I've ever been prayed for or any of those things. What I want you to give you an opportunity to do is it's as if you have a meditation that goes to a specific place. So a meditation is, a, is just a prayer that your body can feel. But a prayer is an opportunity to take a moment and pause and clear your mind and just think of all those things that you would say to God if he was sitting across a table with you at coffee. It's a meditation that goes someplace. I'll pray for you. God, thank you so much for this place. We're so grateful for every messy, wild, unexpected, out-of-sorts life in this room. God, we're so grateful that you never did not come to this world to tell us that we had to ship shape, get it all together, and look perfect. But you took broken, messed up people. You took wild, crazy, murderous sex addicts, and you changed the world with them. So in this room, we ask that you would move in all of our messes. We take a moment to pause and invite you into the mess whether it's our marriages or our friendships or our finances, our interior life, the stuff nobody knows about, or maybe it's just our inner world that no one pays attention to. So right here in this room, we just ask that all of our messes would come together and that we would give you permission to do what you've always wanted to do, 
which is do something sacred and beautiful right in the middle of our mess. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. You having fun tonight? Wonderful. I'm just so grateful every single month that you come to this place and that we get to have this conversation and that in some small way, if my words or if our community or if this conversation has a chance to have an impact in your life, I'm just so grateful that you would be a part of this and that you would lean into this month, lean into this week and lean into those relationships in your life to say that mess you have is beautiful and it's sacred and God wants to move in it. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of tonight. Have an awesome, awesome night. Take care.